Before we start this episode of the Lillian Magnolia Travel Podcast, I wanted to tell you about the Anchor app. It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer, and Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can be around in places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You can make money with your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a podcast in one convenient place. So download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. This is the Lily and Magnolia Travel Podcast with Dina, a Disney and Hawaii travel expert who will help you and your family make the memories of a lifetime. Whether it's the beauty, beaches, and culture of Hawaii, or the whimsical family experience of the world's most famous theme park, Walt Disney World, Dina is like a fast pass for vacations and is the first to know about upcoming discounts, cool new products, and everything to help make your holiday customized and perfect for you and your family. Now, here's your host, Dina. Hey, buddy, what would you rather do? Would you rather go to Jamaica and hang out at the beaches all-inclusive resort, or would you rather go and hang out on a cruise ship and visit different islands? Cruise ship. Why do you want to go on a cruise ship? Because I want to see all the different islands. Oh, maybe we should do that instead of going to Disney. What do you think? Yes. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Lily and Magnolia Travel Podcast. I'm Dina Farmer, founder of Lily and Magnolia Travel, and I've had several guests on the show talking about a variety of reasons of why um, they travel with their children with special needs, or how they navigate the parks with their children with special needs. And yes, as you know, if you go back to Episode 1, I explain a little bit about my story but I haven't really come on here yet and explained why I started this podcast. So, as you probably know, I am a travel agent, and I love helping special needs families travel the world, making it easier for them to navigate things like the airport, as well as making it easier for them to get to their destinations, and once they're in their destinations, making it easier for them, you know, to visit, because I have firsthand experience being a mom of a child with autism, that it's not always easy to travel with a child um, that's just different. And that's not different in a bad way, that's different as in you have to consider different, again, <laughs> things when you're traveling with your child. And I, you know, I have one child that is neurotypical, my youngest son, and then my oldest son has autism, and it when planning trips because i do plan separate trips for my boys um sometimes to, you know make them feel special and uh give them time alone with me as a mom because i know that it can be hard when you're growing up with a sibling that you want to just spend some quality time alone with your parent and sometimes you know that sibling rivalry kind of gets in the way so we i plan different trips for my boys you know separately for my oldest son, it's a more of a challenge to travel with him because there's lots of considerations I have to think about, such as um, his sensory needs, how long he can walk, 
if he's going to be really tired or if he, and I know you can't see me quoting, but my quotation, if he becomes bored at the airport, that's a recipe for boredom or if he, um, boredom, that's a recipe for a meltdown. Or, you know, if we're at Disney, he can tend to really get aggravated with the amount of people that are in the parks and how, um, long he has to wait in a line. So there's lots of different things I have to consider um, as opposed to traveling with my younger son where I can get him really hyped up and encourage him to wait and be patient in line. Of course, he's, you know, he's only three years old at the time of this podcast coming out. So he, um, it's not always easy <laughs> with a toddler, but I know as time goes on, um, he is more amicable when traveling so I can ask him to not do something and most of the time not always he's a human being not a robot um, he will comply but you know sometimes he doesn't but it's easier to squash those meltdowns and get him back to a normal state than it is to help his brother regulate his emotions so I I have to really think about things differently when I'm traveling with my boys and that's why when I found, and I'm going to dive into my story a little bit, but when I found um, it became a challenge as a family to travel with my older son. So as you know, I'm, I'm a travel agent, and I found that we were struggling as a family to travel. And I thought to myself, well, if I, as a travel agent, am having a hard time traveling with my son, and that's not a bad thing. It's just that, I, again, I had to think about what could I do to make things easier for my family to travel, I thought other families with special needs must also be feeling the same way. So what if I shifted what I was doing in my travel business to help other families navigate the travel landscape to make it more accessible to them, make it easier for them, make it something that they can go, oh, this actually could happen with Dina's help from Lillian Magnolia Travel. So that is why I decided to launch Lillian Magnolia Travel. So <laughs> here's where the idea of this came about, and that is when we actually went on a trip to um, Disneyland in California, and it was a three-day trip. Um, you know, we're, excuse me, it was five days, but we were in the parks for three days because we had a, a military ticket um, to go to the parks for three days, and I was going to use all three of those tickets. Gosh darn it, so that's what I was going to do. Um, day one was great. Both boys were fantastic. I was doing a lot of baby wearing with my youngest son because he was only 19 months old, which, um, you know, that's normal. Most mamas understand, and I'm totally going to make an episode later on that talks about visiting the Disney parks while pregnant and with an infant. So check out that episode because that is both uh, a special need in a different way. It's so like I was saying, I um, was baby carrying. My oldest son was doing really great. He was probably um, seven, seven. Or six or seven, one of the two. I don't think, maybe he just turned seven. Um, and, you know, we got to day two and everything was fine. And then we got to day three. And I remember distinctly that I wanted to ride the teacups with him. And he was just like, nope, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to sit in the stroller. So he overtook 
his younger brother's stroller and I had to baby carry him because he just said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna walk anymore. And he literally had a meltdown that I've seen before, but I wasn't really prepared for, um, the meltdown at all. I wasn't sure why he was doing this and what was causing it. It was just this big, massive meltdown. And just to remind you that we, my son hadn't been, um, my son hadn't been diagnosed with autism yet. So I just thought this was a uh, normal school age behavior. And he just was like, nope, I'm not doing this. And basically we just walked around the parks for the remainder of the day and um, got something to eat for him and let him have his little tantrum that he was having and called it good. And thankfully we were leaving the next day so there wasn't anything, um, you know, it wasn't a big deal that we didn't get to see the rest of the parks. So flash forward to six months later, and I planned a trip to Walt Disney World, and everything was fine. Flying was fine. He's such a great flyer, my oldest son. He has no problems flying. It's just the location <laughs> that can be a problem. And again, my oldest son hadn't been diagnosed with autism, and this trip was the one that made me go, mm, there might be something different going on with my son. Um, and what happened during that trip was we were at Animal Kingdom, which is the very first day at the parks for us, and he uh, just spent maybe two hours at the parks and just started melting down like his, um, you know, almost two-year-old brother does all the time. And I was like, what is going on? Why is he like having this really big meltdown and he kept telling me, it's too hot here. Why did you make me wear these shorts? There's so many people. I don't want to go on all these rides. And he was just crying and crying and crying. Um, so we <laughs> went and got him a Mickey ice cream bar to, you know, help calm him down and get him away from all the crowds. And we went and saw, um, Festival of Lion King and, you know, he started to calm down after he got used to all the crowds, but he was still on edge and he was very uncomfortable. And I was just like, I just don't know what is going on with him. Why is he so upset? And we kept going and there was, um, you know, went to the Magic Kingdom and that was okay. And then we went to Epcot and that was mostly okay. Um, he started expressing some fear of rides. Then we got to um, Disney's Hollywood Studios. That was our very last day. And he just melts down. We were there for an hour and my husband and him got in line for um, the Twilight Tower of Terror. And that was when he was just like, nope, I'm done. I can't do this. This ride is ridiculous. And he was crying in line. And the cast members, thankfully, <laughs> let him out of line. Um, and they, you know, came back to us because uh, his baby brother was asleep by then. And my husband was like, this is ridiculous. We got to go. So we left the parks early that day. Uh, and we were planning to leave again the next day. So we all had two whole hours, basically, at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And that is when I said, I just don't think that this behavior is um, normal, like quotation marks, because what is normal um, for anybody? So I decided at that point that um, I wanted to talk to his doctor and see like, maybe if he had ADHD or something going on. So we went and got him evaluated, and it turns out that he has 
um, high-functioning autism with ADHD and it's um, a little bit of sensory processing disorder. So he, like I said, um, I think I've said it plenty of times, he is a toe walker. So he's not the type of sensory that is um, avoiding input. He is seeking output, which is why he's, you know, he walks on his toes all the time. Um, so we are <laughs> trying to figure that one out. So anyway, with that in mind, um, all these challenges, all these, you know, amazing things about my little boy can make it challenging to travel. So I started coming up with ways, um, especially with working with his OT and his PT, um, and even his speech therapist, of how I could make um, traveling with him a little bit easier. And they're all in agreement that... Um, it's great to travel the world as long as you set your child up for success. And what I mean by that is having these strategies in place to make travel easier. So for instance, for us, um, I'm often asked why I love to go to Disney so much with my boys. And my reason <laughs> might surprise you. And uh, of course, I love Disney to the bottom of my heart. It's a special, special place for me as it is for many other people. Um, and I do want them to experience things. And it's not that we don't travel other places in the world. It's just that Disney is predictable. My boys know every single time we go, although it does change, absolutely. Walt Disney said that Disneyland will never be finished, and he wasn't lying. <laughs> Both of the, you know, all six of the parks um, constantly are changing, but it's always got that same theming of Fantasyland, Tomorrowland, Adventureland, Frontierland, maybe a Critter Country. Um, it just always those things are always there especially in the, the main parks um, so it's easy for us to to predict what is going to happen we know when the parades are going to happen we know what time the characters are going to happen everything is very predictable and aka routine like so for my oldest son that makes it incredibly easy and a great choice to go because I can be like, oh, okay, well, at this time, remember, we're going to meet Princess Tiana, and this time we're going to go have lunch, and this time we're going to go ride Expedition Everest, and it just makes it easy for him to go, okay, nothing new. Nothing new is going to happen. Everything is going to be normal. I can be safe and secure in this vacation, and that's why I like to do Disney a lot. With that in mind, and what I was saying about setting your child up for success, is that when Disney opens new rides, I always go to YouTube, and um, I, I really love the Tim Tracker. Um, he gets to visit the parks because he lives in Orlando, and him and his wife, Jen, and um, they do ride videos. Sometimes they do PV, POV videos, and that makes it easy for my son to see the rides and go, okay, this is what I can expect. There's no surprises. I never, ever, ever let him um, go on a ride that he's never seen a video first um, because I don't, I don't want surprises. <laughs> and you know, it seems a little unfair. It's um, the element of surprise for him is not. It doesn't work. Uh, not like his younger brother. Where his younger brother may be paying attention to the videos. He's always surprised. Just like when um, we rode Pirates of the Caribbean at Walt Disney World, which has more drops, and he was like, "Whoa." I don't like this, but he didn't start crying. He was just like holding me really tightly <laughs> while we were on the ride because he just wasn't prepared. But I would have never let his older brother go on Pirates of the Caribbean without having seen that video first. And we talked about it. Of, There's going to be a drop. It's kind of dark in there. Um, 
and it could be a little bit scary. But he he loves Pirates of the Caribbean. The one he won't go on is Tower of the Ter um, Tower of Terror. Excuse me, but he will go on um, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which is essentially the same ride. But um, I guess the it's not quite as dark in Guardians of the Galaxy, and they're playing rock music and not scary music. And it's um, you know he's seen Guardians of the Galaxy, really enjoys them. He loves Groot, of course. Um, so it's easier for him to ride that ride because it's less scary. But again, like I was saying, I make sure that he sees all these ride POVs so he's not surprised. So um, me, or excuse me, we, my son and I, my oldest son, are going to go take a trip to Walt Disney World um, next spring. And check out my YouTube channel, which is Lillian Magnolia Travel at YouTube. Um, we are planning... Uh, well, excuse me, I'm not planning it. He is <laughs> a trip to Walt Disney World, and he is really excited about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge because we were supposed to go this year, but of course, um, due to the events of COVID-19, we're unable to do that since at the time of this recording, um, Walt Disney World is still closed. Um, I'm sure hopefully it opens by the time this podcast comes out. But anyway, I, um, I put him in the driver's seat for our trip there because I, I really wanted him to feel involved in uh, planning the planning process of going to Disney and that is another thing uh, to caveat on <laughs> Get, um, successfully traveling with your child is give them the opportunity to feel involved in the planning process so even when working with a travel agent like me um, let your kids, whatever email correspondence or if we're talking on the phone, allow your child to have some input. Say, um, maybe they could pick the fast passes uh, that you get, fast pass plus that you get um, when you're going to the Magic Kingdom or or any of the four parks, or maybe they get to choose a meal. Um, and then, like I was saying, with this trip in particular, I'm letting him choose everything down to, the only thing I didn't let him choose was the hotel because I, I really wanted to... Um, have this place that was quiet and felt safe for him at the end of the day. Um, and then it was easy for me being by myself with him to be able to get back to our room and not walk like a quarter of a mile back to our room. So my original plan was to go to the contemporary. And while I would love to do that, I was concerned about walking <laughs> back to our room, which is why, um, and this is a spoiler alert, but we're going to go over it anyway. Um, this is why I chose Port Orleans French Quarter was because I knew the resort is like a lot smaller. It's very, very quiet. And um, thankfully, uh, most of the, it's only two stories. So we would probably be able to get a first floor room, which will make it easier for the stroller that I'm going to bring. And I will talk about that Um right now. So um, another thing that I would do is whatever, and I said this on the travel radio podcast when I was a episode, um, excuse me, when I was a guest on that, on one of the episodes, and that was um, whatever works at home works while traveling. So we don't use strollers at home for my oldest son. We use lots and lots of breaks, especially if we're going somewhere like, um, you know, if we go to the zoo or if we go to some kind of attraction here in Colorado, um, we just pencil in a million breaks. So uh, I love to use what I learned in the Air Force, which is the work-rest cycle. <laughs> so I, I implement that into um, our plans. So if my son is 
quotation marks working for 40 minutes, then he gets, um, or 45 minutes, then he gets a 20 minute break, or excuse me, if he's working for 40 minutes, he gets a 20 minute break. So if we're walking around the zoo, for example, for 40 minutes, then after 40 minutes are up, we take a break, regardless of where we are, what's going on, if he needs to go run around, get some stimming out of the way, if he's hungry, if he needs to go to the bathroom, if he just wants to sit down and just chill, then he gets 20 whole minutes to just chill out. And if he needs to take longer, absolutely, I will let him take longer. I'm not <laughs> a slave driver. But um, that's how it works for us is definitely. And that's something that I do at Disney is, okay, we're going to, you know, um, if a ride is, uh, you know, the DAS that we get, is like an hour wait, then we'll go do something that is um, low stimulus and um, stimulus, <laughs> low stimuli, so that he is able to bring it down before he builds up excitement again for getting on the ride. Uh, and it just makes it easier for him to, you know, self-regulate, calm down, and then build up that excitement. And then we go do something after the ride that is calming, like eat something or um, go, you know, walk around or we'll go find one of the quiet spots that are um, marked, well, I would mark it <laughs> on your map for you to find. So I like to keep it easy for him to be able to uh, navigate. So that's one of the main reasons why I love to go to Disney so much again because it's very predictable. And then another reason is because of the disability access service. Um, and I've talked about this several times already, but it, it just makes the parks more accessible to us so that my son is able to wait in a virtual line as opposed to a physical line because I'd rather not have somebody um, being constantly bumped into him if he decides that he needs to start stimming or if he starts melting down because the ride for flight of passage is three hours. Like, I, I mean, as an adult, a neurotypical adult, I would never do that myself. Why would I put my autistic child through that, you know? Um, so being able to wait in a virtual queue makes it easier for us so we can go play at the boneyard or we can go meet Donald or maybe we could even go ride a different ride like Dinosaur which never has a wait or, <laughs> or you know, any or eat something or go check out the Tree of Life or whatever um, the case may be. So it makes it just a million percent easier for us. It doesn't get us any perks. Like we don't get to skip lines. We're just, we're in line. We're just not physically there. And it just, like I said, makes life easier. And um, that's why Disney and even uh, University has provides passes like this. So with this in mind, um, I don't just travel to Disney. I don't just book Disney vacations. I just like to book them because it's predictable and it makes it easier for families with special needs, especially mine, to go. With that being said, I again, I do travel other places. We've gone to Japan. Um, we're going, hopefully... <laughs> later this year to Arizona with plans to visit Tucson and the Grand Canyon and I have been again this is this works across the board I have been building up anticipation for Tucson I've been showing him different hiking trails like going to Saguaro National Park east and west going to the um, Pima Air and Space Museum I've shown him all kinds of videos about that um, I've shown him videos about going to the Arizona Sonoran Science or um, the Arizona Sonoran 
Desert Museum. I've shown him what the Grand Canyon looks like. I've shown him what Sedona looks like. I've shown him different hiking trails in the Grand Canyon because I just want him to be prepared that he can see this is what we're going to do. There won't be any surprises. And the worst case that could happen if there is a surprise, I am here. You have me to keep you safe. And to piggyback on that, when um, traveling to the airport, we are not going to go to the airport for this trip. He's totally used to our vehicle, so we're road tripping from Colorado. and It's a little bit of a distance, but um, we've got some plans to stop in Albuquerque, um, which I've never been there before, so that'll be interesting. Um, and then you know, we'll probably stop on Albuquerque, in Albuquerque, excuse me, on the way back. But when flying, what I did when I went on my big trip to Turkey with the boys by myself was I started looking up all these videos about how the TSA handles those with special needs, how are we going to get through the airport, how um, to make life easier in general for us. And I did find, and I, t I said this on the Travel Radio podcast episode that I was on, that there's a program um, called TSA Cares. And this program helps those with special needs um, get through the airport security easier. I'm not saying you're necessarily going to get through there faster. Um, the only way you're going to get through there faster, and this is still not a guarantee, but is to have um, pre-check, which I do, because um, it's totally worth the $85 for five years or whatever the price is. Now, I think it's still $85 for five years. Um, and then your kids under the age of 12 get to go with you through um, TSA pre-check. So we had TSA pre-check. I already got CARES, so I talked to the TSA agent when we got there, and it was just a dream <laughs> to be able to have that extra help because, you know, I was there by myself with an, uh, he was about to turn eight, an eight-year-old and a two-year-old, um, so she got us through quickly. My boys didn't have to take off their shoes. Um, she pushed the stroller for me through um, the metal detector I had to carry my youngest son and it just made it so much easier but the help didn't stop there like once we went through security and again like I said um, they didn't have to take off their shoes they didn't have to take off their jacket he was able to wear his um, ear defender as well when he was going through security um, and they they didn't make it difficult and the agent that was helping me said do you need help finding the USO and your gate and I was like Yes, <laughs> I could use some extra hands for sure. So she um, first took me all the way to my gate. She was like, this is your gate. Keep, you know, pay attention to the monitors to make sure that your gate doesn't change, but this should stay your gate since we're within, you know, XYZ amount of hours before you flight, or your flight takes off. Um, and then she walked me and my boys all the way to the USO. Uh, and she didn't have to do that, but it was really nice that she did and it just made life easier for me and then getting from the USO to my gate was a breeze it was just one train right away so it was no big deal and my oldest son was like yes trains um but I you know I looked up that program because I wanted to be able to prepare my son for the airport and to piggyback on that there's so many um airlines and some airports even all we have to do when we're working together is just reach out and allow them ask not allow them they will allow us to do a drill so in your airport um you can actually call the airline or um who's ever in charge like the airport authority and ask to do a drill through the airport so that your child knows what to expect when visiting the airport which is something that i i highly encourage any flight 
families. Any families that have never traveled by air to do when they're working with me, which is I will I will always send out this email and encourage you to um, contact the airline that you're flying with and um, the, again the airport authority. And what they'll do is they'll allow your family to come to the airport. You're going to pretend to check in. Um, you know, I, I think this depends on the airline. Like they'll probably take like some fake luggage or pretend like they're taking luggage from you, put it on the conveyor belt. You'll get your boarding pass because you're going to go through security anyway. Um, and then you'll be allowed to go through security. Your child will be able to see what's going to happen. Um, you know, no surprises. It's you know, it's typically the same. So they get the general idea of like how it will be to go through security. And then you go through security. You go to your gate. Um, some airlines even allow you to get onto an airplane to, you know, understand that process, listen to the noise, because as a, a neurological person, I didn't even think about how the sound of an airplane can sound to someone with um, sensory processing disorder. That sound can be, you know, really irritating, and we, even as um, neurological people, kind of go, oh, that's kind of annoying, but when you think about and someone who has sensory needs, that can be really overwhelming. So being able to hear the sound of the um, the airplane while it's on can be uh, very helpful, especially if you need to have ear defenders. What kind of sensory toys do you need to bring with you in order to make this flight uh, a lot easier? So I love that they're doing stuff like that to allow um, special needs individuals to be able to um, know what to expect. So that's my big thing is that I, I know that you know <laughs> that that's something that needs to happen is planning that out, being able to predict mostly what's going to happen so that there is no surprises and um, just setting your whole family up for success. So I know I rambled on a lot <laughs> about setting yourself up for success, making sure that your child is comfortable. Um, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was what we do to make him comfortable, which is we will bring his air defenders with us to make sure that um, he's not being overstimulated by the noise of the airplane, by how many people are around him. Disney lets you have the earmuffs on on all the attractions. Um, so he, we have, it's not noise canceling, he can still hear voices. So if, um, for instance, I know that Disneyland's Indiana Jones Adventure Ride is super loud. So my son will always have his ear defenders on um, while he's um, on that ride. So he can still hear everything, clear as day, but it's just not so loud. Um, and then we bring things like a, a lovey, but it's not one that if he lost it, that it would be the end of the world if he lost it. So something that is really important to him that keeps him, you know, regulating and secure and um, comfortable and feeling like a little bit of home, but at the same time not being something that's so, will be so horrible if he lost it. Um, and then we do bring a stroller and I rent from a place called Kingdom Strollers which again if you're working with me I'm going to recommend these people because um, maybe you don't use a stroller at home but when you're on vacation you find that you might need one because you're walking like a million percent more than you do at home or um, that your child just needs a cool and calm place where he can't see everybody and sunglasses aren't the ticket. Um, so what I do is I rent a stroller from Kingdom Strollers and um, I will put a link 
in the show notes that you can check that out. My oldest son uh, loves these because he's able to get into the special new stroller that they have. And um, it completely covers his face so that, you know, the only thing he can see are his legs and the ground. So he'll be able to see like people's legs when he's walking or when I'm pushing him <laughs> around Disney. But it's, um, it's almost cocoon enough for him that he can sit and calm down the stroller. And then I always have my rule is like, well, if you're going to sit in the stroller, you have to carry the stuff. <laughs> so I'll, um, he, you know, I'll make him put his bag with him in the chair of uh, the stroller. Um, and it just makes it easier for him. And then he has all of his toys in there that he can, um, play with. So that, um, to talk about toys and strollers, um, I pack like a little gift for him too and it's just it's not anything significant or expensive. I go to the dollar bin at Target or um, the dollar store and I'll bring like coloring books um, with crayons that I'm like, well, it's fine if he breaks, <laughs> you know, or I'll buy like little, you know, $1 things, $1 toys that it's new so it builds up excitement for him and that he has something to do that's a sensory thing or sensory toy excuse me so that he doesn't get bored because boredom is our big thing and if he gets bored that's that's definitely preparing to launch into a meltdown for us so I um, have him entertained often although I know there's quality in being bored but um, I try to keep him stimulated because I know what will happen if he gets too understimulated we do all that and then regardless of what your family dynamic is, I always say go to the parks for two days or even on your own, like if you're not going to the parks or going somewhere like if I'm sending you to Paris, for example, I say do something for two days. Like we're going to do tours for two days. You're going to sightsee for two days. And then on the third day of your trip, nothing. <laughs> Just enjoy the hotel. Go swimming because I'm sure that you know as a parent with an autistic child that they love the water. So my son, um, we will pencil in that third day to always spend, especially if the hotel has a pool, to be at the pool for most of the day or checking out the different amenities at the hotel. So, for example, we went to um, Legoland because my son loves Legos. Um, so we spent a couple of days at Legoland. Well, actually, we were there for two days. So we went to Legoland for one day. The next day was the rest day. And the final day was back at Legoland. And um, he spent all day on the rest day being in the pool. He was at the video arcade because our ticket came with like a credit for, I don't know, it was like $25 or something to spend at the arcade. And then we, you know, paid for the rest. And then we um, checked out the different Lego building stuff at the hotel and it was just generally amazing because he got to take it down and then be prepared and you know fully charged for the next day at Legoland or the same thing with Disney he was able to bring it down after that rest day and recharge and go to the parks with minimal meltdowns. <laughs> Um, so I just, I like to give them that opportunity and we need it too. We're going on vacation. We don't need to be tired and exhausted our whole vacation because that's part of why we're going on vacation is to rest and relax, right? Um, so I, I pencil in that day to give everybody a break, but more specifically to give the special needs individual that break because it's exhausting. Even as a neurotypical person, it's very exhausting <laughs> to travel <laughs> when you're going from attraction to attraction and site to site. So I always say, take that rest day in. Um, so I think that is my comprehensive list of 
why I started Lillian Magnolia Travel, some strategies that I use to make traveling easier um, for everybody in the family. And um, again, check out my YouTube channel. It's just starting, but I'm going to be having the um, planning of the Walt Disney World visit for my son and I for next year. And we're going to talk about um, his plans and why he chose what he chose. <laughs> and it's even come down to, um, he even got to pick what color our magic bands are. That's, that's how serious this planning is. So thank you so much for tuning in. And I cannot wait to share next week's episode. It's going to be quite interesting. I thank you so much for being here. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thank you so much. And I'll see you real soon. Thanks for listening to the Lily and Magnolia Travel Podcast with Dina. Today's episode was jam-packed with fun vibes and great ideas. So if you missed anything, check it out on Facebook or Instagram at Lily and Magnolia Travel. And sign up for Dina's free newsletter to make the most of your day at the Magic Kingdom. Don't forget to subscribe so you're first to hear new episodes on planning your dream experience. 